0: Although they are located in Surrey, B.C., ENERGY works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. We are I. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of We Are I. We're uh, sitting down with Sarah Pritchard from Across the Pond. So um, Across the Pond, for all those that are kind of fresh to the term, don't know why you uh, wouldn't be well versed in it, but you know that essentially means uh, from England. Uh, more specifically, I believe you're in Cambridge right now, you are saying, Sarah?
1: Well, I'm in Cornwall right now, Blake. Cornwall, ah,
0: that's right. So, very
1: Western
0: uh, tip. <laughs> very Western tip. So, you know, a little, a little bit chilly there. So um, she's inside, bunkered down, and ready to have some great conversation with us. Um, and this is going to be an absolutely fascinating podcast. Like, like they all are, but this is a, a topic that I'm actually quite intrigued about. So uh, Sarah, why don't you kind of fill us in a little bit more about you and like who you are? Let's let's build the backstory. Let's get people sucked in about everything, Sarah. Well
1: Yes, I had a bit of an unorthodox route into Chinese medicine, actually, Blake, because mostly now you'll find, certainly in the UK, and I think it's not much different in, in Canada and the US and other places in Europe as well. The route tends to be now going in fairly early, maybe 18, 19, 20, into do a degree on Chinese medicine, right? Mm. And that would generally be acupuncture okay then bolting on maybe chinese herbal medicine i think in canada i've learnt that you know everybody does some tweenar as part of their acupuncture training that's not the case in the uk so acupuncture would just be done on its own and then tweenar would be taken a bit like herbal medicine as a as a bolt on afterwards so it was nice for me to see that in canada that actually is part of the of the basic training those first 3 years so Yes, a bit of a maverick background because I actually came in through the performing arts route. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. So I went, I was born in a small mill town in a place called Macclesfield, which is up north. Um, And when I was 18, I left the north to go south to go to drama school. Mm. And I went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art for three years. And it is quite interesting how that has informed my work as my life has gone on over the the years because that work within that, obviously it was a drama school training and a a fairly classic one. Um, But within that, at the time that I was there, of course it was before mobile phones and computers and all the rest of it. Right. So, we did a lot of movement-based work. So I was introduced then to the Alexander technique, for example. We did a lot of yoga. There was a lot of Taiji, Qigong work within the drama school training.
0: Is that um, difficult? Because I've never really heard anybody explain that side of it before when they're going for like, you know, drama and the arts and like I, I till when you said it right now, I had no idea that even yoga was incorporated inside, or that movement-based methodologies, or you know, like traditional Chinese medicine or qigong, like anything was incorporated as like standard. Or
1: I don't. I think it probably varies a great deal from one drama school to another. Bearing in mind that Rada's, you know, pretty old school and you know, classic theatre training. It may have been also the period of time. Bearing in mind, I was there in the late eighties. Right. Um, And we were just perhaps fortunate. I mean, Alexander technique certainly is quite common in in amongst both uh, music training, musicians and in, in drama to enable actors to have the freest body position and then to free the voice as much as possible. So I think that's pretty standard. And we were very fortunate. We had a lot of one to one Alexander lessons as well as the group work but we were also introduced to lots of different teachers who had interesting ideas about movement. Some of those coming from that Grotowski acting route, which is very movement-based theater, right? Uh, Some of them more interested in the Qigong Tai Chi route to bring fluidity to the actor's body, this kind of thing, uh, I guess, and the yogic route. Um,
0: I actually find it really intriguing that you said that a a part of like their ideology was like free the body to like free the voice free the mind like and they understood and developed that connection and allowed you guys the opportunity to be able to understand the connection you know between like mind and body body and voice mind and voice and started to bridge all those gaps you know at such an influential age where it's like this is the time where if you're going to learn that all of these systems are interconnected like yes. what it, like that is just astonishing to me. Like I love that they did that.
1: Yeah, and it's and even funnily enough, even before I went to Rada, I mean, this is going back a few years. I would be about fourteen years old, fifteen years old. I'd been to a convent school for a bit, and I wasn't very academic at that point, and it just didn't suit me. And I think one of the nuns said. Oh, we think Sarah would be better off there on the stage, you know, so she should leave. So I think it was probably best that I found a theatre school to go to for a couple of years. And it was, this was a very particular place that basically consisted of a house on the hill in the middle of Derbyshire, oh, which wow. had two rooms. <laughs> two That's rooms. Awesome. And it was, yeah, it was run by a woman called Jean Peach. Who was a real force? She was like a ship in full sail, John Peach. It was a tiny school. And there, I had some of my first big experiences with meditation mm-hmm. through her. And she would lie everybody down on the floor in the group. And we would go through what essentially I found out later was like yoga nidra. Mm-hmm. And visualizations, quite sophisticated visualizations. We didn't know then. You just go along with the flow at that age, don't you? Um, But that had quite an impact on me, the work that she did um, through meditation, even before going on to the later drama school training in London and the movement work that would come from that. And it's interesting because, I mean, I've found as time's gone on as well that actually, you know, those performing arts roots and the healing arts roots are really not that different. I work quite a lot with a number of creatives as well in term, in my practice, a lot of actors um, and theatre directors and uh, vocalists and things like that. And um, I was talking to one director in particular, and he said to me, he said, you know what, you and me do aren't really that different, are they? And I said... Actually, no, they're not. They're not. And so I think these two places are very linked, and they've certainly informed both my practice, but absolutely my teaching style. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what I've become very interested in is trying to inspire students and practitioners of Chinese medicine particularly the acupuncturists who are doing something um, with their hands, with a tool in the room with the, with the patient, the herbalists who just do herbs are a little bit of a different character, but those that have drawn in towards body work or acupuncture um, and are engaged directly with the patient or receiver, I'm even having problems with the word patient these days. There's a sort of inequality there somehow for me. Yeah. so the I want to just inspire those practitioners and uh, students to come off the page. You know, there's masses of interesting theory in Chinese medicine. There's all the philosophy, yeah, all that Taoist philosophy. You can go on and on. It's so interesting and fascinating, all of it and all it the different-
0: So is it sucks yeah. me in like a tornado.
1: There you go. And there's so many doorways that you can go through to fascinate the intellect, right? And the imagination. And sometimes what I've observed is that the student and practitioner can get rather lost in that world and lacks then the ability to bring it to life or to embody it. Uh, And so it feels like my role or I have now an ability by amalgamating both these skills that I developed much younger in life and then the route into Chinese medicine from there, that by amalgamating those, I've got, it seems from what students are telling me, an ability to inspire them to touch in on those points on those channels and feel them in their own bodies so that it's not just a, wow, isn't that an amazing idea or theory, but they actually feel it. Is it. Oh, it is real.
0: Yeah. And you know, and those are the things that like, I just, I find so intriguing about like the East and like why I feel so robbed. It took me like 30 something years to be able to get to this point. Cause like, you know, like I feel like I've identified with this philosophy and this way of life but I had no idea like it really existed well, for one, I grew up in a small town in southern Alberta where like you know like there was just not a whole lot of like influence like anyways, like like acupuncture and tai Chi like like you hear these terms, but like nobody really connected me with them, but like now like I realize like I think the part the two things that I identify with the most is that for one, it allows and fosters human connection. And like the one thing like here, like, you know, Canada, kind of United States, you know, we're all kind of getting into this aspect where it's like, you know, you can't high five, like kids can't high five in school anymore. Like they're not allowed to give each other hugs, you know, like we can't like, you know, because the thing is like, it's, it's invading people's like personal space or we don't want them to feel like, like assaulted or backed into a corner, like anything along these lines. But it's like, when we can't, touch like when we can't feel we lose connection when we lose connection we lose humanity when we leave, when we lose humanity we lose community when we lose community we lose ourselves you know so like this is the part that I have the hardest time with and and that's the one thing that I love about like Eastern way of life it's like let me experience you and you're know, like that's what, like why I said like when we open up like this podcast before we started recording it's like I don't want to try to know you before. We have a conversation. I want to experience you in real time to understand who you are as a person because that's what I want to experience because, like, we can't have, like, you know, physical contact because we're so far away from each other. But, you know, like, this is a way where, like, you can suck me in because that's what I want. Those are the relationships that I want in my life. And I feel like people are starving for that. You know, and the more people that are exposed to, like, an Eastern, you know, way of life and the Eastern, you know, ideologies and, you know, philosophy is like like this can be attainable like we can live in this landscape we can be there because this is what it fosters and that we don't need a path like it doesn't need to be defined like let's all just kind of like wander through like this this zone that we call life because it doesn't need to be defined we don't need to be from birth probably saying that you know again i need the house the white picket fence the 2.5 kids the dog the rsp like the six-figure job like we don't actually really need these things. And like the things that we really need, we're steering away from them and we're guiding our ships away from, we're guiding our children and our generations away from it, which I find like with like an Eastern way life, it's like it's always been guided down that road. Like let's value community. Let's value interpersonal connections. Like let's value one another, you know, like, fine tune like your skill like develop like your your community value and how that we can all be a part of one like let's share let's network let's be like this global community and that's the part that I connect with the most
1: yeah absolutely yeah we're we're desperately in need of that now I think aren't we yeah yeah.
0: And you see like so many people are starting to break the mold, you know, like even like for you, like when you said like you go, you feel like you have like this clear direction, this path, like, you know, like, you know, you're going in like to the arts, you know, you might, might want to be like an actress or something along those lines. Then all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, like there's this completely other component of this. I wasn't prepared for it at all. But yeah. obviously as we know, you know, like that is, that is a path that you are supposed to be able to walk down because you just allowed your intuition to be able to guide you to these places to be able to find what you really need needed
1: to find. Yes, I think that's true. I mean, even for, even from an early age, <clears throat> the because it was before the internet, finding the, the weird school that I just told you about, Brayside, the, the theatre school, I found it in the Yellow Pages, which is, you know, the phone directory.
0: Yeah, that's I was cool. gonna say, how many people know what yeah. the Yellow Pages are? But I, <laughs> I remember those Yellow Pages and White Pages days for sure. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> so I thought, I don't want to be in this school anymore. So I want to go to a theatre school. I wonder if there's one around here. I just opened the Yellow Pages and went, Oh, there's one in Strines. This in the, oh right, I think we'll go there. My father was horrified. He drove up there and he went, is that it? Yeah. oh my god but somehow managed to persuade them to let me go there you know
0: <laughs> well and again those are the things you know like how like it was supposed to happen right you know like this really yeah. like abstract concept you know breaking the mold you know like just like a path that wouldn't be typical but like you were afforded this opportunity there might have been a little bit of resistance you know but you were still got this opportunity to be able to go like even more reason why you knew that you were supposed to go
1: Totally right. And and even from then, after the drama school experience, having gained those skills and entered into that world for a little while. And, you know, I love the theatre and I love theatre performance and I enjoyed the radio work uh, as well. But then I got to where I thought, and it wasn't very long after I finished because I did drama school pretty young, and I thought, oh, I'm not sure that I want to do this to earn money. Mm -hmm. this is taking the heart out of some of this for me i'm not sure i like this and interestingly at the same time during my period at drama school um that would be my first experience of receiving acupuncture okay so this is very significant i i used to lose my voice a lot so all those bloody lessons (laughs) of You know, this is how you use your voice and all the the various things, and this is how you sing. But I still, whenever it came to doing certain productions, if there was singing involved, I would lose the voice. I think what's going on, right? And a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine said, oh, well, I mean, you just need to go and see the pin lady. So I went, okay.
0: What's that? That (laughs) was a really interesting way to
1: do it. (laughs) So I said, okay, okay, well, we'll try this. So then I had my first acupuncture experience was probably about 19, I would think. Um, And really liked it. Got very fascinated then in the whole thing. And she said to me then, she said, well, um, you know, I think really it's, you know, there's something you need to say. This is ha- there's no physical reason why this is happening. You're fine. Yeah. But there is a psycho emotional reason why this is happening. And you, you know, that's what needs to be addressed. So what is it that you're not saying when you say that this will go away? So we had some local points and distal points and maybe that helped to give me the courage. Yeah. Um, to actually come out of the closet to my father. So this is all around the same time. um, and indeed from that moment on i never lost my voice again ever wow. never uh, that's <laughs> crazy so, so there was so there was lots of things just from this these, this initial introduction okay uh to, to acupuncture and then i got very interested in the philosophy of it through talking to that uh, particular acupuncturist who's passed now unfortunately um but from there, I was still at drama school. There was a bookshop just on the corner of Gower Street in London. Uh, and it was a Dylan's bookshop, quite well-known bookstores, or used to be in, in the UK. And um I thought, well, there's gotta be something about Chinese medicine in there. So again, no online to look it up, no Google, right? Mm-hmm. Uh so I went into the bookshop, went downstairs, and there's a little section on alternative medicine and um spirituality, mysticism, little, little section. And there was Giovanni Maciocha's book, The Foundations of Chinese Medicine, which, of course, I didn't know at the time was the uh, book taken by most of the um, established Chinese medicine courses in the UK and elsewhere. I thought, well, that looks quite thorough and well laid out. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. So I read it. So I read all of Giovanni's book before I started to train just out of interest. And then post-graduating from drama school, I was working at a little shop in Covent Garden uh, called Mysteries, which is a shop that sells everything, every single, or it did (laughs) back in the day, all the spiritual books, every single crystal that you could imagine, all the oils, everything. And I worked in there for a while just to get a few pennies. And um, while I was there, I came across a brochure. Because everything was paper then; it was all paper. So different, isn't it? And on the back of that was this was this advert for a course, the London School of Chinese Massage Therapy. Oh wow! And I thought oh, that's interesting. So I just looked at that. And I'd before that I'd thought, oh, you know, I think I'd better study this more. I've got quite interested in this. So there's the acting. That's fine. We'll see what happens with that. But I'm not sure. I can't be doing the advert. I think the first thing was, will you do an advert for something that I thought, oh God, I don't know if I could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when I thought, oh, I, I felt like I was sort of selling my soul a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I can't. I can't do that. I'm going to follow this path and just find out, just learn, just learn, have some treatments, read the books. Went to what was the London School of Acupuncture to meet Felicity Moya, who was the principal then, and she said, yes, yes, come and join us. But I, was, I didn't have any money. And my father said, well, I'm not doing any more for your child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Especially if you keep going down like this like weird path of alternative medicine. Yeah, and, like, no, just- yeah. You went to drama school, and it just keeps going this way a little bit more all the time. So, right,
1: you've got it. So we said, "No, I'm not helping you." Uh, so I said, "Okay." Uh, it was, t- and things were, those sorts of things, always very really expensive, weren't they? And uh, so I thought, "Oh, okay." Then, then I went back to this. This I discovered this this brochure, London School of Chinese Massage Therapy. Oh, okay. Got in touch with the chap who was running that, who became. I would say my first, most important teacher, a guy called Robert Cran, who's since passed as well. Um, and a very maverick gentleman. Uh, and I went to meet him and he said, Oh yes, I'm I'm running a, a three year course, um, Chinese medicine, but I'm not interested in needles. He was a herbalist and he was one of the crowd you know, Peter Dedman, Robert Cran, Giovanni. It was all that. They were that period of time, all going out to China to Nanjing and particularly Nanjing, some to Beijing. So he was a very good herbalist and very good theory guy. And he was also very physical. He he had a strong yoga practice. He had a a mixed background. He worked for um the um British Museum and he was there working with Indian and Asian arts. Oh. So he was involved, he had an art background but but both interested in Chinese and Indian art history. Okay.
0: Is this something that you found like a, a little bit like in, in your network that there's a, a bridge between people who are interested in like in the arts and drama and, and yes. like TCM and, you know, just like Eastern way life, like, like are, are those two bridges that I've never really understood that are connected? Like, like people are a little bit more like right brain. They just want a little bit more of like the creative side. Is that, do you think that the reason why they connect with Eastern philosophy yes. a little bit more?
1: Yes, I think so. And I have, yes, I do find that the several um, people who've come through from that background, uh, acting art, music, yeah, uh, dance, who've ended up in the Chinese medicine training world. They, they tend to be very natural. I mean, they, they tend to make really great practitioners, actually, yeah. Uh, a little
0: bit more connected with, like, being like more open minded, a little yes. bit more free spirited, you know, like, totally. yeah, they're
1: trained to be open, yeah, yeah, they're trained to be open, to engage, to listen, to feel,
0: yeah, yeah. and, and to experience, that's- you know, because that's a big part of like, you know, like yeah, Eastern way life, like, you know, TCM is just like, like the experience, like, let me feel you, like, I need to feel and understand your body is a person, and that's where, like, I feel like the level of care. It's just so much more because like what we know now, like, if I have the choice to be able to take, like, like somebody who's willing to be able to give me a hug that is authentic versus taking, like, a Tylenol for a headache, I would right. rather take, like, that hug that feels good because I know what's going to happen to my body as a result. And, like, mm-hmm. that's, like, what, you know, like, TCM is, like, all about. And like, you know, Eastern Way Life is just, like, let's build that connection. And I feel, you know, like, yeah, people who are a little bit more creative and a little bit more open-minded and want to be able to develop that connection, like like, what a great bridge for people – you know, to like who are listening to be able to understand, like if you are a little bit more creative, you know, like this is kind of like a gateway into understanding, you know, like this Absolutely. can fine tune your creativity, you know, and just open so many more doors for your mind to be able to explore.
1: I think so. I, I, again, I've come to sort of think that, you know, over time as well, I've talked again to some of my theater director, director friends and and others about this, but it's it's like there's a sacred journey of the actor, The ability that we all have it, it's innate, and it does link very strongly into the Taoist philosophy and other philosophies of the world, which is the actor has that ability to tap into many aspects of the soul self. So even if in that, you know, that lifetime, that individual actor who may only be 35 years of old or something like that, and has led a very nice life, thank you very much. And they're still able to tap into the villainous aspect of themselves. Yeah. Yeah how is that possible? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, they can, they can tap into a brutal aspect or very graceful aspect or, you know, all, we all have these parts within us. So the actor has that ability to drop into somebody else. So if you're treating or in that sacred treatment space with somebody else, or indeed a student, so similar you can drop into their perspective even for a moment. And I think that actor training is very useful for that. Yeah. That openness. And and it creates a sort of non-judgment because you're saying, oh look, I can find that bit within myself that actually is very dark, or very shadowy, or very light, very sunny, you know, depending on your your nature. And it links back into this whole idea that if we take the Taoist notion that we have lived many lives, and in that experience we will have been both victim and perpetrator, Mm -hmm. then suddenly it evens everything out. Yeah? All is one. Yeah? In this lifetime, I may experience it is our it's only our human judgment. Yeah. We have these very rigid judgments, don't we, sometimes? Ooh, that person, that's that, without any lack real lack of understanding. But I think if we can take that notion that we may well have experienced both very joyful and very difficult lifetimes, uh, had some terrible things perhaps done to us and done some terrible things ourselves, not in this lifetime, but throughout our soul's journeys, then it also allows a space for forgiveness, which is a big word.
0: See, and and like where, like, like as you're talking, like one thing that is just like absolutely profound to me, like there's a really famous clinical psychologist in Canada. um, His name is Dr. Jordan Peterson. And he's, he's very controversial in the content that he says, you know, and one of the things that like I love about a a singular message that he puts out is like, like tell me how you love, like mm-hmm. tell me how you love, tell me, tell me how you think you can understand love, because mm-hmm. to be able to precede you telling me how you understand love, I need to know how you hate, what? I need to know how you connect with hate, I need to know that that you understand what it's like to hate and resent and like so like as you're talking like as you know like he preaches this it's like but that can either be like within a singular lifetime you know like when we go through those trauma and we come in understand sense so we develop like empathy and sympathy and we understand how to be able to connect with people or through okay. the greater scheme of things about how like our soul traveling through like this world and living multiple lifetimes it's like yes like like where you said like you need to be victim and perpetrator. Like you need to be able to understand this. Like how can you convince me that you know, love until you know and thoroughly understand hate. And I'm like, I'm like, wow! Like, what a powerful statement! And like, yeah. and just knowing that, like, we are the byproducts. That in this time lifetime, I might be able to try to understand hate, and then the next lifetime might be understanding love, and then, you know, then yeah. the next lifetime is like, I need to understand: Do I have enough like empathy and sympathy to be able to be the best me? Well, no, I don't. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's start mm-hmm. to fine tune this process again, because like in in a previous lifetime, I could have been like a Mongol chaser around like just perpetrating the most wicked violence on the the planet has ever seen. I could have been a part of this, this army that devastated the planet, you know, that I could have been, you know, gone from that into being, you know, like a, like a Buddhist monk to be able to understand like, I need the peace. And I get to me now where I tell people, the one thing that I tell people all the time is like, I want to be a series of mistakes. I need to be a series of mistakes because I need to be able to understand and allow myself in a form of the opportunity to be able to stumble through this lifetime to be able to really understand exactly what I need to be able to do while I'm here. You know? So it's like, I feel like it, because I connect with that then in these previous lifetimes of, you know, like my energy, my soul is, is obviously I've been way over here and over here. And now I'm in this like weird state in the middle where it's like, I need to, because like I, hyper connect myself with understanding that I want to keep making mistakes. And I don't know whether that's to develop myself as a person or whether it's to publicly share that and saying like, there's nothing wrong with being a yeah. series of mistakes. There's nothing yeah. wrong with understanding you'll continue to be a series of mistakes because yeah. this is just life. This is just yeah. who we are as people. And yeah. like, how is my future self ever going to have an understanding of like what it's ever like to be like in a in a influx state. Like, how can I find peace and homeostasis within inside myself and afford that to the people around me? If I just grew up in this like sheltered environment where I'm not allowed any opportunity to be able to fall and to stumble and to love and to hate yeah. and to like have everything and have nothing, it's like I need to develop the understanding of this because I want them to be able to have a conversation with you today yes. in real time about like yes, like we are like that in this lifetime and there is other people who are just like searching for that same thing
1: yes absolutely i think that's i think that's spot on i think that's a very important uh thing for us to acknowledge because there's so much certainly you know in our western um way of life around this seeking of perfection but what does they yeah it's, it's very superficial seeking of perfection yeah what is just seen by the outer uh, senses, uh, and a very, through, you know, as the Taoists would say, through the lens of society, we then judge ourselves, yeah? yeah, um, not good enough or this and that. Um, I think it's very important now to come and honor those shadows, um, in ourselves, um, and to feel, I mean, this, it, just as i mean it''s, it's related, but it 's quite an interesting thing i 've been exploring uh, this idea of coming onto body with the hands very simply, so I like to take a doorway of interest with a group of students, and one that i 've been working with over the past sort of year and a half has been touching into the vessels called the Weimai, or the linking vessels. Um, and these are part of the eight extraordinary vessels which deal with that constitutional or yuan qi, the constitutional qi. So, you, this is where we get into what have we brought with us, yeah, from one, our ancestry. If we take again this notion that the Taoists say we're 50% morphology, what we've, what we've gathered in from our ancestry and 50% astrology, meaning the soul map, which is in the stars So the stems and branches from a Chinese medicine perspective, Chinese astrology, Western astrology, but that map that the soul has taken, this will be my curriculum for this lifetime. Like you said just then, well, you know, this time I'm going to explore, um, you know, feeling this a very bad way, <laughs> you know, I'm going to just go down this route where this is going to be, you know, I'm going to need to experience this and let's see what happens. with. It. Or it's very likely that I will experience these feelings because again, here we go. I've chosen this ancestry, which is almost the perfect grounds for growing those potential feeling experiences. We may judge those as good or bad as our ego self. Whoa, that's really difficult. Oh, wow. You know, that's amazing. Well, it may or may not be, right? Those are our judgments, aren't they? Um, But here I've chosen the most likely perfect soil to grow those experiences where I'll have those feelings. And then from there, can I complete a little bit more of my curriculum? Can I let go a little bit more of that ancestry which has gone down and down and down and down and down the line, yeah? And we may or we may not, we do the best we can, right? Mm -hmm. Can can we bring a little bit more light of consciousness to who we are? And going back to this working with the way, my very, very simply, because I like to bring in with the tween, our stuff sort of bringing it back to these roots of Anmo, the Anmo shamans. It's shamanism. It's simple shamanism, though. It's present being present. Like you said in the beginning of our conversation, here, I'd like to just do it in the now, in the present. Let's see what happens. Yes, great. Let's, let's do that. Same in this situation. So, you know, here we have a vessel which has a journey, and it may start here, and we start to touch onto those points, literally just touching them, yeah, mm-hmm. with the yeah. thumbs and the fingers, in presence, with connection, going, right, okay, so this point here, let's see, this is the inner gate, Neguan. Guan. so we begin with a point, Neguan, Guan, the inner gate, the inner gate to what? Oh, the inner gate to the heart, okay, then let's just touch in on this. And through the journey of the day and that vessel, People work very simply with the simple tweenar skills, twee for pushing technique, round rubbing technique, mofar, far holding technique. Very easy to receive, very easy to apply, actually. But it requires that presence and the willingness to go on that journey to feel it and experience it, and then feeding it back. What I found very important in the, in the live workshop situation is that feeding back. So we'll get people to do to be the giver and the receiver and then swap around. Yeah. In the, in the group and then go, okay, what did, like? what did it feel 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 like? What did it feel? I'm interested in how it felt to do it, but I'm particularly interested in how it felt for you to receive it. And they're all practitioners. Yeah. Yeah. In the room. And you know, the effect of that, of hearing everybody's fe- the commonality is very interesting. Yeah. There's always, of course, some differences and unusual things that will come up, but there's a definite commonality that comes up when you're working with something like the yin linking vessel, which brings us back to that sense of being sort of held and nourished by that. Uh... Yeah, that root yin energy. And, you know, people would really be able to share a lot of quite profound experience in the simplicity of that touch. Yeah, nothing fancy on the outside, but it brought the vessels to life. Yeah. Yeah touching on that constitute and, and bringing things back to the potential. There's the potential to bring a little bit more consciousness so that something may shift, may grow or in the case of a disease may begin to dissolve a bit more. We can just let, let go a little bit more, can transform perhaps a bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that interests me a lot. It interests me what happens in groups that go back to the drama stuff as well. You see what happens in a group. There's a very magical thing that happens in a rehearsal space with a group of actors who are very open. Yeah. Yeah. Very. And it's the same thing with a group of students who are very open, who are again, willing and open enough to go on on a journey into a vessel or into a particular subject that requires them not just to sit and write notes and theorize, or just listen to me go on and on, but to to experience, you know,
0: one of the most profound group scenarios that I've ever been in where it's just about developing like, um, passive interpersonal connection, which I actually found to be the furthest thing from passive. Once we did it. So I sat, yeah, in the dark. So relative sensory deprivation, you know, just like visual sensory deprivation. Yeah. Um, no talking so again like minimalizing like auditory you know um sensory input and what we did is we sat back to back you know kinda in a circle there's five or six of us i think so you're kind of like shoulder to shoulder back to back but like your energy was kind of flowing around like you know in between like you know everybody's backs because it kind of became like this pool and you know for the first few minutes it was kind of like okay, you know, like I'm sitting here with this group of people, like I know something is like going to happen, um, but I don't really know like what. So, but then as like the time started to kind of go on and everybody just kind of let it all go, where it became like, you know, you finally connect with your environment. Like, okay, yes, I don't see anything. Like, okay, you know, like the ambient temperature is comfortable. Like like the body is starting to shed these like, you know, existential things that we, we start to manifest within our day, right? Yeah. And so then like I'm saying, I'm just like, and all of a sudden, like, my stomach starts to get, like, a little bit, like, upset, and my body is getting really, like, jittery. And I'm, like, I'm not cold. I'm not hot. But I'm, like, kind of <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm, like, like what – like, what is like, – it, like, it was nothing like any feeling like I've ever felt before. But mm-hmm. it was – I wanted to be able to identify, but it, it, I realized every time I tried to identify with what this feeling was, I was also misidentifying what it was because I had never experienced it before. So I'm like, yes. I'm shivering, but I'm not cold. My stomach's upset, but it's not, you know, like, no. you know, like I have like the, like my cells feel like it's like, I can almost feel my individual cells just humming with energy. But is that what it is? Like, you know, like It was just it was such a really profound like experience, but it made me realize that like I feel like if one of those people in that circle was inhibiting that experience, I don't know if it would have been able to be that. But like everybody, like that's what everybody said. Everybody kinda like their own individual experience, but everybody was like I was able to completely let go of all of these factors that I tend to manifest that we think are a priority and then I realize I'm like this is kind of like everyday life you know like I think the car I think the job I think the house I think this I think like these things become this priority but what I'm really forgetting is to be able to let all of that go and understand like where is my intuition kind of nudging me like where's my intuition drawing me like and when am I standing in the way of my intuition pulling me down the direction I'm going it's like uh, well, I know like, and you know, like we see the face this in Western culture now, like it's labeled as like passion projects, you know, and everybody's like, well, you can't be successful with a passion project, blah blah." blah. And it's like, well, I argue that point. Cause there are actually a lot of people who are, you know, yeah. but, like, <laughs> like the passion project to me is just like, that's your intuition saying like, Hey, you know, don't forget about me. Like, this is what's going to make you happy. Like you need to figure out how to be able to operate, you know, in this landscape, because this is where we need to be like like don't just suppress me don't say tomorrow don't say next week don't say next year don't make it a new year's resolution you know don't make it like when my kids get older like okay when my kids graduate you know like oh in my next lifetime like all these common narratives in the west that like we keep saying you know but like we just don't connect and I feel like that's what that experience represented is just like when you shed these things that we think are a priority we start to understand that There's something out there that we need to understand and that's what I love again about like Tao's philosophy. It's like, no, well I can't say exactly what that was. You know, but it was like Tao's philosophy, that's fine. You know, because it It doesn't need to have like this header, this text box, this nothing. Like simply that there was something going on, or even the beauty if there was nothing going on. Those two avenues are completely fine as well
1: yes, absolutely exactly yeah it's, you know, it's that that tangible embodiment of something, yeah. yeah, something's happening, and I feel it, I feel it, and this is another thing, of course we we're, we're touching on this quite strongly, which is you know it we've lived a long time in the West with the intellect as God, yeah, right. The rationale, and that's what we've all been taught. You know, that's what we have all been given, right? And that's the lens we've perceived things through. And now, thankfully, there is a turn somewhere for feeling, the realm of feeling, the realm of intuition, which, and I bring this up a lot with the Chinese medicine work, um, I want you to come back to feeling, come back to intuition. Because what I found a lot with, for example, you know, quite experienced acupuncturists, for example, maybe have been working for 20 years or so, and, they're, and they've been needling and needling, and they've got really good heads, and they understand all the theory. And their intuition, their feeling has been going, oh, I feel like I really need to just touch these points instead. But something goes, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, no, but I wasn't taught that at all. But what will that fit? And there's all these little critical boxes start to come out. And my role is partly to go, you're probably right. So let's try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let's come to back to feeling. Because without that... I think we're in trouble as humanity. We have to bring feeling back. We have to bring intuition back, which is the yin, if you like. It's it's the feminine, yeah? Irrespective as to whether we're embodying right now a male or female form. Again, if we take that notion, we've probably lived many of both. <laughs> yeah? Irrespective. We all need to bring back that feeling sense and trust it and put that intellect as god slightly to one side yeah and allow some space for this so that we the two can become one and we can have the perfect symbol which of course is yin and yang beautiful symbol represents the two things becoming one
0: let me ask you this because as you were talking like we've kind of like broached this um indirectly so um We know that these, these points on the body, like, you know, like, you know, the points that we use for like acupuncture and acupressure, like they're symbols of energy, you know, but if we looked at these symbols of energy as like symbols of representation, like of our souls or individual souls that represent something to do with that specific point. So would it be like, what do you think? Let me, let me get your opinion on this. So like, if you felt like that, you needed to touch a certain point, a more like acupressure than acupuncture, like where you just, you felt connected with like, I need to experience this point. Would you, would you think that might have something to do with that energy, that soul of that point connecting with the equivalent to within inside of you, which would be the two different perspectives. Because the, like, you would have something to offer, like your soul that connects with the soul of that point. They'd have something to offer. And when you connect with it physically, that that is that point where like that would be the representation of the next life for your energy and the energy and the person otherwise in that specific point where then – You've allowed the energy with inside of you and them to travel on and journey down the next path.
1: I think it opens up the potential of that path. And I think when yeah. the touch comes in to that point, chosen point, that touch with presence, simple presence, yeah connected presence because the head's already there. You say you already know we've chosen gong sun, spleen four, grandparent, grandchild. Mm. So if I've chosen that, grandparent, grandchild, I am interested in your ancestry, right? I'm looking at your line. That's the beginning point of the Chiang Mai where things all began, beginning of wholeness. If I'm touching that point, I already know that. Yeah, I've got the intellects already there. That's fine. Don't worry about that. Okay. Then I come with presence to touch in to the point, just very, very simply for long enough. Yeah. In that touch, you're opening that portal, that potential doorway. Yeah. Into, we could call it the threads of light. Yeah. The web, the whole Meridian system and all of its levels. Right. And, that simple touch then just allows the space for that flowering to occur, yeah, so and then there's the resonance, so the resonance of my as the the giver, the practitioner's understanding of intention, yeah intention and treatment principle, yeah are one and the same, I would say, um and so. Uh, Here I am. I'm offering this. Are you able to receive it? Am I able to give it? Are you able to receive it? Uh, And in there, that doorway for growth occurs. And we don't need to know what the journey will be, but it opens the potential for that shift and change to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For that person to move things, to move or to bring to stillness. It's the same thing. Is it movement that's required or more stillness that's required? Yeah, hopefully it will, you know, the, the chi, chi is intelligent. The soul energy is intelligent. And so, uh, we, again, we don't need to force it. Yeah, that's another thing. I think that happens a little bit in the West. Is a bit, uh, it certainly happens with tween. I'm not so, not maybe so much in the in the world of acupuncture, maybe depending on where you've learned your skills um, but in the world of tween oh, there's become, I call it, a bit of a gung-ho attitude, yeah, uh, to some of the techniques. So it's become very uh, over-yanged, is how I'd like to describe it. And then sort of quite unpleasant as well um, to receive uh, for most individuals, yeah, and particularly most individuals walking through people's clinic doors yeah who are often um quite depleted at some some level yeah and it's very easy to then over treat and deplete what is already quite empty underneath and there's been a bit missing uh with that very over I would say it's a very northern China approach, yeah, to to Na, which of course has its place. But I like a broad, I like to give students a broad picture, but certainly to bring this missing link, particularly in the now, where we need more yin, more rest, more feeling, yeah, all of those aspects, very, very important. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, and we and the the beauty of it is like, I see and I don't know what you guys see across the pond there. But like, I feel it, I see it that that, that shift is starting to come because, you know, even like, like, I tell people all the time, like, um, the reason why that I feel like, you know, kind of like the Taoist philosophy runs through me in ways that I don't know is because even, like, with this podcast, like, I didn't start it to, to even get into, like, you know, Eastern way of life at all. And, you know, now we're running this massive series on, like, you know, like, Eastern philosophy, Eastern care, Eastern, you know, modalities and of care. And, like, the one thing that I've realized is because it's gone there, like, I feel like this, the message needs to be you know, and more people need to be able to speak because I've always said is I would rather like one person listen to this podcast, but that one person then have that trickle down effect of then they go tell another person, they create a platform where they can tell one one person like, and there's actual change than have a million people that actually don't really do much with the information that they're getting. Um, but like I see it, you know, even like with the comments that come, you know, like my way, like the emails I get, like the you know DMs and all that kind of stuff, and like the people who are coming on, like like you see it, like I I see that it's going there. Um, but there's such a resistance, you know, like there's there's such a resistance to it. We're like like that. I find like if we have technology, if if our world is really quote unquote getting easier and more manageable for us to live. But we're still locked into the concept of that I need to work 23 hours a day. You know, I need to be able to work seven days a week. I feel guilty for taking vacation days. You know, yeah. like you know, like, well, I should be working a five-day work week when there's other countries, cultures in the world where there are four-day work weeks. And, you know, I need to work my eight-hour day when there's others who are six. You know, like yeah. I have to put in overtime, like all these kind of things. And the guilt that is associated that if you're not there mm-hmm. but we have – all the means to be able to operate outside of that environment and be able to make our lives easier and, you know, and to be able to function so we can get back into more listening to our intuition, uh, connecting with us. to so what makes us whole and, you know, getting more rest and, you know, like valuing ourselves as a human being and the contribution that like we make to each other. Because one thing that I always say to people, I'm like, I don't want to be like a man, a woman, a Christian, a Catholic, a Buddhist, or, you know, like anything, I just want to be a human being like, like that is it. Like, like that is like the foundation. of it and like, I don't need to identify with anything over and yeah. above that. It's like, like I, I want to be able to be there for people and the more that like, I understand, you know, like global community, you know, like, you know, like Eastern way life. Like I, I just really, I'm so dumbfounded how we ever as like a species were like, you know what? We're going to go way over here. <laughs> yeah, But then if you look at, like, what, you know, like, like, Eastern philosophy promotes, it's like, well, we need to go way over here. Yeah. So, like, we did start over here a lot, lot, lot more holistic. And they were just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I know how to do this better. So then we shifted way over here. And then we got to, like, this apex where it's like, well, that didn't work. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. now we're kind of coming back to it. But it's like, because we shifted hard over here, we ended up with, like, a lot of innovation. And, like, with yes. that innovation, it's just, like, I really hope in the next 10 or 20 years we learn how to be able to use that innovation to be able to then find this place for that where we can operate, where, like, we holistically live with our planet and have the means to be able to, like, provide these lives and these opportunities for us. But then we can be healthier because what is the point of it all if, like, you know, like – narcotics and like psycho narcotics are just like basically pumped out in 25 cent machines at the grocery store now so that people can survive. And you know, like it's not the one you're on, it's the two you're on or the three you're on or like, you know, just like find this place And like how um like mental health is like at all time, you know, high risk, like, like teen suicide and like, you know, child suicide is like at an all time high in so many countries. And it's like, yeah. we have these problems. Like we need to be able to understand this, but we also have the means to be able to make this shift. And that's why, like, I think it's so important to be able to have these conversations because it's like, look, us as adults, us as adults, like whether you have kids or not, there's children in your life to some capacity. We now have the responsibility to be able to say like, look, we don't need to say you need to be in you know two or three activities we don't need to say that you know like that you need to work 10 or 12 hours a day you know like you know you don't need to do these things like what we really need to do is develop like interpersonal connections and learn how to be able to live live with each other you know to be able to connect back with like how can we all have that influence you know around Mm -hmm. each other because like now from like this conversation with you like I can clearly understand because, you know, like artistic capability and like the arts run in my family. Like people argue, mm-hmm. like we have like painters and you know, like just like free expression, you know, like that like that runs thick in my family. And it's mm-hmm. like, well now I kinda understand a little bit more of like, you know, why I speak to this so much. So I hope that like other people can be able to get that value too because these doors have been opened. But we need to open these for our children to realize that there's more out there. Like life is an opportunity. It's not a lane that you have to stay in. It's not just like this rigid highway. It's like, let it be transient. Go on the trail, go on the highway, go down the back alley, you know, like go up the stairs, go down the escalator, go up the elevator, fly through the sky, swim (laughs) through the ocean. Like just explore these opportunities.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I really, really hope that that's the way that we're going. And at the same time, you're right, I think, you know, we have to explore all of these things as a whole humanity, what is it the elliptical cycle through the Great Ages brought us to that place that we're as far away from ourselves as we could possibly be. But we're now going <laughs> back round to rediscover ourselves again and yes on that journey of course humanity is essentially creative mm-hmm. we can't help it we're here to be creative yeah and sometimes it doesn't always work oh shit yeah. <laughs> that went wrong never mind right <laughs> moving on uh, we, we keep creating and yeah hopefully we're, we're dropping into a bit more wisdom with that a bit more consciousness with that and along with our technology, which, yes, has its light and its shadow, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think the kids are really uh, seeing both of those things, the influence, because it's there immediately. There is no, it's hard, you know, I wasn't brought up with it. So I had a childhood without technology and a teenage and early 20s when it only just come in. So I know what it was like, but they never will. Mm-hmm. They never will, and so they have to to discover that through that world and move themselves away from it somehow too, so that it's not just about that uh so that they remember who they are in relation to the planet that they're on and the actual humans that are surrounding them, making those real connections so that it isn't all an online uh situation and yeah it's, it's a very vulnerable time for the psyche of young people and teenagers and there's a lot of openness there's such huge openness there um they need those experiences that are so life-affirming yeah simple experiences you know often well, they're really see,
0: and, and like, like these are the things too like i feel because of like like our generational demographic that like you and i fall in that like we have the opportunity to connect through conversation. So I might not be physically in your presence and you might not be in mine, but we come from a place where like we value conversation to a degree where we can build a connection with that. But when mm-hmm. kids now don't understand having like that value conversation where like, how do you use technology in this capacity, but still yeah. feel a connection with somebody or like identify with that connection that you feel, even though you are remote. And those yes. are the things that worry me because like, like, like I value having this conversation with you, but there's a part of me that's starving to have it in person. Like yes. I want to like, like, I love that we have this technology, but I would prefer to be like yeah, in, in the your room. presence, having this conversation. But like, I see it now where like, you know, like there's like this this generation growing up where it's like, they don't understand that or even more worse prefer the opposite where it's like, Mm -hmm. I would just prefer this faceless interaction because you know, anything else, I get a little bit anxious. You know, I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. identify with it. Like, you know, like it shuts me down. You know, like I, I don't know how to be able to be successful in this environment. It's just like, well, you know, like we need to do that. Like, cause like where, where do the wheels come so far off the bus? There is like, like people stop it. And I see it now, like, even on like Remembrance Day that just passed, yeah, you know I'm like, when these World War One and World War Two survivors are gone, you know, yeah. because the face of war, anything after that, every war has been controversial after those wars, like World War One and World yeah. War Two, like there's there's no argument, like everybody's like I'm on board hundred yes. percent everything after that it's like well mm-hmm. we really shouldn't have got involved in that like you know we probably even yeah. started some of these things like you know like we're just trying to micromanage like there's so much controversy behind it things like remembrance they won't even like like what are we going to remember somebody sitting yes. in a room controlling a drone with a joystick and dropping bombs on civilians and killing the wrong people like is yeah. that what we're going to remember like you know like where yeah, then do we lose know that connection because that's what these kids will identify with and like you know, where it's, like, okay, well, we, we see these aspects of life that are slowly starting, like, to shift. But it's, like, the the art in, like, my, my convoluted point behind all this is, like, the art of, like, conversation where like, where, like, I remember sitting down with my grandpa and, you know, like, him telling me stories because I did not have a phone or an iPad or really, like – tv to that extent where like i would rather be doing this where it was about that storytelling and you know, like you see that yeah. in like different cultures in the world where like storytelling of elders yes. like is still like a huge part of life and valued but we devalue that now
1: yeah i know and i think it's, it's super important absolutely and just yeah. bringing those now yeah, the simple earth stuff back to the kids you know Yeah, taking them, bringing them to the animal, the city kids in London, you know, some of them have never been exposed to, you know, a a sheep or a a cow, or bring them all down to Cornwall, to the wild west of of the UK, away from the screen. But yes, it is a bit worrying. I've had several youngsters with, and their main complaint is anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, early 20s. Yeah.
0: So maybe this is like a part time to be to segue. I, I, I want to know everything about you professionally now. Like, like, you know, like where, like, what do you, when you wake up, like, like you're like quote unquote nine to five, like this is just like the influence that you are and like, you know, how did you end up with packrim college? You know, how did like, like, what is the, what is the connection? you know like, what do you Like what's the message that you get out there? What are you teaching when you teach the, this next generation of like, like thinkers in the Eastern uh, philosophy and Eastern modalities.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, my work in the past, cause I've been working some, I've had this question quite a lot. Was it, How long have you been doing this for Sarah? You know, I said, Oh, blimey. So, well, I got back from Nanjing in 1994. So I started my practice then. So we're talking about 24, 25 years. You know, this is a long time I've been practicing for now. Uh, and I've been teaching uh, the first college course that I wrote was in 2000 uh, for the London College of Traditional Acupuncture. Um, And uh, I've been teaching the the tweener Chinese medicine work since then, and it has evolved a lot over that period of time. Uh, And that came about because going back to my... First teacher, Robert Cran, and his school that I went to where I learned a lot, all the theory, very good theory teacher, um, but he was more interested in hands than needles and herbs. Uh, and then sent us off to Nanjing to learn. And then I came back to London and did some more. Uh, so I learned Tweenar before I learned acupuncture, which is very, very unusual. In the UK now, it's actually impossible <laughs> because the only route is to go through the acupuncture doorway and then add it on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a few of us then that did that. And... um, yeah. um it's actually proved to be a very nice way around of doing things because it links back into the roots. And one of the things that I'm trying to bring together with the online course, which is based on, I wrote two books on tween art. and the first one came about because my dear teacher, Robert, and had a very sad experience. He lost his wife very young. She was only 35, 36. And he was about to write a book on tweenar for Piactus. And he couldn't, it was just, it was just, he was devastated and he got in touch with me as it was the last thing on my mind, I'll tell you, to be writing any books. He said, Sarah, I need you to write this book for me. I went, Oh, he said, you've got three months. I went, Oh, (laughs) even better. I thought, Oh my God, I couldn't even use a computer. Mm -hmm. Hadn't typed a thing in my life, been to drama school for God's sake, you know, and so, yeah, I got in touch with the I said, hello, Piactus. Yeah, yes, you're going to write this book for us. Now, we're going to give you a flat plan. We're going to give you a great big piece of paper here with little images of books open, open pages on books. And I want you to fill those out for us with exactly what you're going to write on, on each page in note form. I thought, oh, my God. So I said, okay. So I went away and did that, gave it to them. They said, okay, yes, that'll be fine. Uh, now, you've got three months to write the book thank God for the flat plan because it meant that I could go from one place to another, but I didn't have to write it consequent, you know, in sequence. Yeah. I could go a bit of theory, a bit of treatment, yeah, <laughs> yeah. bit of yeah, p- practical, and it didn't matter. And I just filled out with a pink highlighter pen the bits that I'd done until eventually I had a pink flat plan. And I wrote it by hand. I literally wrote it in capital letters, yeah, on full scat paper and took it to a friend of mine who was a touch typist and said and you type that up for me Sally she said yes thank God took it to Piatas I took them the original thing which they kept and they went said Sarah we've never seen anything like this <laughs> well I did type it up and they said no it's marvellous you should see some of the things we get <laughs> so <laughs> I thought so I did manage to write this book in three months and that was my first book And that I wrote in 1999, it came out. That's now published with Singing Dragon. And then 10 years later, I wrote another one, which was aimed at students and practitioners who would do, because the first book was really aimed at anybody who was interested in Chinese medicine, who could just pick it up and go, oh, here's the theory in bite-sized chunks. Here's um, the meridians in bite-sized chunks. And here's some little mini treatments on the common cold, on neck pain. Or, it was so anyone could pick it up. It wasn't particularly orientated towards a student or a practitioner. Whereas the second book was an assumed and not a certain knowledge. So <clears throat> those two books came out. And then on my mind for a, year, for a while, there'd been this idea of oh, God, at some point I should film what. I've got because it's pretty tricky to learn tweener you know, off the written word, right? You know, you've got to be pretty dedicated to you nowadays, yeah? Yeah. In the old days, maybe, but to to read everything about how you would apply a technique and how to physically learn a technique, that's pretty tricky stuff, even with good photographs. So I thought, oh, it would be good to do this, but how is this going to happen? And then my first experience with um, Pacific Rim College um, would be back now in 2016. 2016, I think, and I wanted to get out of the UK for a while. And a friend of mine had said, "You know, you really need to go to um, Victoria." Oh, random. Okay, I thought I want to say Chinese Medicine College is there. <laughs> By then there was Google. <laughs> oh, Pacific Middle College. That looks good. And I wrote to Todd. Hi, Todd. I teach TNR in the UK. Um, would you be interested in me coming to teach a workshop? Todd wrote back. Yes, I would, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we set one up. So I went over and I taught... Um, a Twina uh, course for them on menstrual and fertility issues, tweenar and Moxa, integrating those two things in practice. And just before I was about to teach it, um, Todd got in touch with me and he said, oh, do you mind if we film it? Um, I said, no, I don't. He said, okay, that's great. He said, we're going we're to do some filming of this, of this course. I said, okay, and that's how I met Gillian yeah, uh, who was, I now affectionately call my fire dragon a friend. And she's been a real uh, joy to work with, as has Todd and everybody there. It's been absolute joy and ease to work with all of them. Um, And she and her cameraman that day came and they filmed it live, which is pretty tricky for them. Uh, But we sort of hit it off very nicely and... She said, "Oh, you should be teaching in some other places in Canada. Why don't I introduce you to to my um, colleague in Edmonton?" And so, this this was the third year. Yes, yeah, so this year I went back in May. So we filmed again in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. I can't even know. I don't even know my years. Twenty seventeen. I think we filmed the. Um, uh, the tween our, integration of tween our acupuncture and MOXA for menopause. So we did the Fundamental Doorway of Life treatment on the menopause, and we filmed that one, and I filmed a little Qigong uh, course for them that all my students in the UK were thrilled with because it's really more of a visualization. There's not much movement to it, but it's the five-elements Qigong protection exercise that I always teach students at the beginning of a course. Um, which brings into life the five elements and the protective animals and so on to enable you to draw around you if you like a protective membrane for your chi moving into the treatment space okay and students, oh can we record you doing this Sarah? so they're always with the iPhones recording me doing that one and I said to Gillian look let's just can we record this because I've got a lot of students there. So we recorded that, which is done beautifully on Todd's farm outside all the beautiful, stunning view. Um, And we did the menopause course as well. Uh, And then I spoke to Gina about the books and she'd got both the books. And I said, what do you think about this? She said, Oh yes, definitely. We can definitely do this. And so then began this journey of about, we started talking about it probably a year before we filmed it this May. And it was a lot of work uh, for, for everybody to get down pretty much everything that's in my books, yeah, mm-hmm. plus a bit more because things evolve. You know, I wrote the book in 20... I seem to do everything same thing every 10 years, you know, so <laughs> now it's nearly 2020. <laughs> there must be a cycle in there for me, I think. Um, so now this is about to be launched, and it's now sort of brought the book out to life, so at least now someone can see me going through all the techniques, all the foundation area, foundation routines, also talking about this work like what is the role of the healer archetype yeah because that's not something that's not very discussed very often what is our role we're all working that as an archetype those of us who have chosen to be practitioners or healers or whatever you want to call it
0: can you define that like in your terms like you know like what what you see like is your role or like what you coach people that you're teaching um to be able to define that role or to understand that role themselves
1: Well, it's a little bit like what we've touched on already, really, Blake, because it's that if I am working the healer archetype, you might say Chiron, the wounded healer, yeah, one must be willing to uh, recognize that that's part of my soul journey and that is going to be the perfect... Soil for me to grow to see my strengths and my weaknesses um all the flaws and all the potential will come through that path the shadow and the light yeah um and it's an interesting archetype to work and it's a life, certainly many lifetimes worth of of exploration there um And it's worth acknowledging that, again, it brings back the spirit or the soul aspect of the work as opposed to just the, you know, the white coat and the the doctor, you know, because I think there was a while things progressed very much into hospital style, yes, and became rather cut off from those spiritual and indeed shamanic roots. And that's changing now as all the I think the students have, have really started to go question, question, question around the classics of Chinese medicine. Yeah. Well, oh, hang on. What about this? In the Neijing, it says that. In the Suwen, it says that. And of course, the depths and the layers of the medicine Uh, have begun to arise again because it has had so much history and so many periods of flourishing yeah, Uh, and shift and change in its great life. And now I feel like we're in another one Mm -hmm. where there is an integration back to those shamanic roots, back to the feeling aspects as well as the head part. We needed that part in order to... Begin to teach people, yeah. They had to create a systemization. Uh, I mean, the first twin our course was Shanghai 1956, so it's pretty modern, yeah. The TPN style of teaching that, but they, there had to be something to make it teachable to groups of people in that way that rather than the, the usual way, which is the apprenticeship style, which was, you know, through the families, through those traditions, which is a lifetime's worth of, of learning. There had to be something that was, here's your basics, here's your foundations. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've adopted for the main part in the West. And uh, in, in what we
0: need because of the world that we live in, we, we just kind of need things to like just slightly change, like the core principles to stay intact you yes. know, but we just need, like, the face of it maybe to to change that little bit so that, like, generations to come can identify with it so that there's always, like, that link and that bridge to be able to get mm-hmm. to the core foundation, the core basics, and the core principles of, like, you know, Absolutely. where we can actually benefit from it and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, there's
1: always so- to enter through that you can go, okay, here I can grasp... Um, all of these fundamental ideas, and from there, if I choose, I can go into any one of them <laughs> much, much deeper, and I can start to read into more of the classics and work with that, uh, which is where things seem to be going, and that does lead us back to uh and unavoidably it 's about soul growth, life is about soul growth, not not just about disease as a separate thing from us as a human. It's, kind of nonsense isn't it
0: yeah (laughs) so let me ask you this like um so do you specialize in menopause or is that just a component of like what you teach or am i completely off mic so you were talking about menopause like a a few minutes ago right
1: oh well that was a course that we filmed um it's, it's one of the things i've got many courses that i i have started to develop alongside yeah the the root course which teaches between from from the basics up um so i've got students who are just beginning a course in london um and i've got students who've worked with me for years and i have a very special group i call them my special students who um we run we you you call it ceu over there we call it cpd in the uk so continuing education Mm -hmm. And we, in those groups, explore all sorts of subjects. We'll just pick an avenue. It could be the digestion. It could be headaches. It could be the Chong Mai. It could be uh, the lung meridian. It could be any area. Abdominal work, chest work on the chest. Um, it could be the channel sinew. So if there's anything interests me. I just like to take a doorway. So I'll explore it like that. Um, hopefully, we'll film another one with. Pacific Rim this next year. But we filmed the reason I brought up the menopause was because we filmed that one already along with the Qigong. But this year we filmed the whole course. So this course is, um, we've called it uh, Advanced Tween R for Acupuncturists, a pro, full program for acupuncturists, which takes them right the way through from those fundamental techniques uh, into the area routines, just like they're presented in the book, but with a little bit more development. Um, And then into looking at how you would apply that and integrate that work with your acupuncture skills, with moxa, with gua sha, with cupping, with all those ancillary therapies. Um, And there's some qigong in there as well at the beginning. So it's a pretty full program, uh, online program. It took quite a number of days to film. It's now edited and as I say, it'll go live in about, Jillian's, thinking about two or three weeks, I think. Wow. Um,
0: Great Christmas, and she's very end of the year.
1: Yeah. Yes, this is it. It's very, very exciting. She's very excited. And oh, when are you there? When are you there? It's very, very exciting, very exciting. And um, I think she's going to do a special kind of launch. Uh, and there'll probably be all sorts of special offers and everything will be on, you know, the website for Pacific Rim. Online has gone absolutely kind of fantastic. They've made it sort of super cool looking, really easy for people to navigate. And um, there's a, a something that you can sign up for on there that will give people anything they want to know about what's going up with special offers and all the online courses will be on there. They can sign up for that newsletter. I think there's going to be, I think she's doing a special sale uh for for one week when it's launched but people can find out about that through the website um probably before i will as well (laughs) find out about it yeah um so that's going to be very exciting and that there will be a live component for a limited number of people that we will be teaching at uh the college will be coming over to canada next march and teaching the live component Mid March, fourteenth, fifteenth, or some somewhere around there, um, and of course there's limited spaces for that because I can only get so many in the room at the same time. So I think we we're, we're taking about twenty six. Uh, for the first live that's attached to the online program. we don't have to take the online but some people will want to take the live as well as, as the online some people want to just take the online and I guess it depends where they live because um, it will only be in Victoria this year yeah. uh, we may we have the possibility of doing one more live date um, for that if there's a, you know a significant amount of interest in doing the live which is quite nice Um, and I'll be teaching something else at Pacific Rim. We're going to do the uh, pain workshop, so Doorways to the Treatment of Pain. I'll be teaching live uh, at Pacific Rim College as well. Um, So March is going to be full. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) really busy. (laughs) It's going to be busy, but the first two will be, or the first one will be attached to the online course, so that'll be specific for those people who have done the online um, course who want to do some live uh, component as well. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see it all in its full edit. Um, uh, Unbelievable almost. The guidebook in itself took a phenomenal amount of time for me and Isabel to work through. So it's, it's ended up as a great tome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. guidebook notes that people can choose to read should they want to you know
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome so, yeah, so that's, um yeah. if i could yeah. probe you for a minute or two just about some of the the simple things or maybe as uh, simple as the wrong terminology but some of the strategies that like women could use or like advice that i could give to them, because i just so happen to know you know like like a lot of women who like going through menopause or, you know, like coming like up to menopause just because the industry, you know, like that I'm in um, and stuff. And like, I would love to be able to just to offer them some tips or, you know, just even like shuttle them to like this specific podcast, just portion of it, you know, where they can just kind of get a little bit of information, you know, and even if it just probes their thinking to be able to research like that, this side of it, because I don't really know anybody who's talked about it. And I didn't really know myself that like, that there was this like, you know, Eastern, approach to be able to, you know, and I know I should have just like everything else. Obviously there's going to be some, it just wasn't to my forethought, but like, I would love to kind of get like your perspective or just like any advice or like tools of the information to be able to arm them with, to be able to like help manage what's going on in their bodies. Yeah,
1: this is very, I mean, I'm very interested in this and this is why I wanted to film that supporting women. And I've called it supporting women through the menopause as a fundamental doorway of life um because that is what it is and again we come back to society and unfortunately quite honestly it's still a taboo it's still a taboo so we have to go again back into well women feeling you know it's not okay to age um it's not okay to be fertile There's a lot in it. It's a a doorway that takes women through to a place where they actually need a lot more stillness. Yeah. They need space and stillness. There's been some interesting stuff as a somebody wrote a book called Women and Their Sheds, which was about post-menopausal women who had rediscovered the things that they loved when they were children and now had the time to engage in that, whether that was dancing or singing or playing or, you know, playing an instrument or writing or whatever it was, uh, women in their sheds. But it's that idea of I just need to have some space to now process because the Chongmai which opened during puberty now closes and that which was lost through blood and the bleeding cycles, the moon cycles then starts to turn within so we have this as the phase of the wise woman yeah but society's still sort of fearful of older women, there's still that, certainly in the UK there's this we <laughs> don't quite know what to do, yeah. Um, which is interesting, and it, it, again, it comes back to that fear of our intuition and fear of feeling, yeah. Um, and the work that I've done with the menopause and the pre- practitioners, teachers. Uh, to come back to this yin wei my vessel, so the yin linking vessel, which embraces and brings this sense of nurturing, nourishing, and holding space i don't have to be doing everything we've talked about it out in the world, achieving this, accolades for that, yeah, no. <laughs> I just need to pause, yeah, and reflect, and actually, I need to grieve, which is another taboo, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we don't do too well with grieving and dying, do we? Death and dying, and also, so we don't in the UK. Um, And yet that's quite an interesting area that's developing too. People are starting to look at grieving and even grief tending in the community and what that means, death and dying. So there is this sense for women, okay, yes, there's a grief. My fertile years have gone. Yeah. Um, Perhaps the children have now left home and gone to university. Who am I? Yeah. Who am I now? What is my identity as a woman in the world um, beyond sexual attraction, beyond fertility and babies, beyond bringing up and supporting the family, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is this moving in and need to let go, to grieve, and to rediscover yeah so there is a huge empowerment potential for women yeah through that doorway um but what tends to happen what i've seen happen a lot is that women instead of allowing or feeling that it's okay to take the space to be to rest more um to move into inner reflection, to write, to to do whatever it is that they need to do to rediscover that yin soul self. Instead they go, oh shit, shit. Oh I've got a big my tummy's getting fat. There's there's it's a classic one. Oh gosh, you know what's this? Yeah. Right, I must I must exercise more. Yeah. Right, right. I'm going to go out and do full on. Let's burn burning cardiovascular running. I'm going to start running, running very fast and overdoing over yanging it yeah so put out more yang when the yin is already declining yeah yeah and yet we're, we're pumping out more yang and it's the worst possible thing yeah? yeah so the exercise needs to be yin yoga qigong tai chi walking yeah natural yeah. exercise not something that keeps pushing all the yang chi and making me sweat yeah yep. okay a little maybe but really that's and then and then women come oh shit you know, i'm getting plantar fasciitis that's a really common one yeah mm-hmm. that, that happens during that period. oh no no I'm getting a frozen shoulder yeah why am i feeling worse and actually i'm doing all this exercise and i'm hardly eating any food and i'm not losing any weight you think no <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you won't <laughs> because your body doesn't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Your body wants more sleep. Needs to sleep. Yeah, it needs to rest. It needs to do yin. It needs to do self exploration. Yeah, it needs yeah. to do the work, not out, out. But it's the it's because we're trained to need the approval through the lens of society. You should be this. You need to look like that. So we will have a bit of plastic surgery as well. I mean. We've all been given this. It's nobody, you know. It's nobody's fault. It's it's not. It's just that's what we've been given. So to to rediscover another way, that's in a world where it's still taboo, requires a lot of conversation. And that those groups and conversations are beginning to happen. Women's circles are coming together. We hold some women's circles here in the UK. Um, And it's really nice to then have a mix of different ages. So you get really young women. You've got women who've had their first children, women in the middle of life, just before menopause, during menopause, and post of women. I've had uh, groups where you've had everything from a 24-year-old to an (laughs) 80-year-old in there. And that's fantastic because, you know, you're getting that lovely, all the stories being told between all those generations of of women in the circle, yeah? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, the community sharing, right? The storytelling.
1: So yes. important, so important, um, and so I think women are are having to discover, yeah, this again because it has not been given to them, yeah. And the only way is through these conversations and through deliberately allowing that yin time, because then another time occurs after that. So the perimenopause is often very disturbing. For women, because they're still having a menstrual cycle, yeah, albeit lighter on the whole. Um, but uh, they're shifting emotional changes, yeah, mm. shifting energetic changes, and it needs to be allowed, not repressed,
0: mm. not
1: drugged, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah, all of this. And then another, you go through the menopause, and then we're coming out the other side, which is different again. Yeah, when everything starts to settle down, ah, oh, and we've entered into the phase of you know, it would be the wise woman phase, yeah. But there's not much, um, respect for the elders anyway. Uh, we could do with learning something from the east, couldn't we, about that the Japanese and, and the Chinese, and maybe about how to deal and treat our elders,
0: um, yeah, absolutely either
1: sex um and not certainly hide them away um, and
0: just forget about them and act like they're not there right yeah
1: abs- absolutely we need that the wealth of those of linking the younger generations right the way through so again coming back to our first, one of our first points about the community and the real need for that yes so the <sighs> I'm very interested in the menopause stuff and I will write a little book for um, Singing Dragon, who's my, my publisher of my other books now. I, I did promise that I would do it this year, but I haven't done it yet <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> to go along with um, the course. But I will get to do that too because I think it's, it, it's important for women and it's important for everybody. It's, but it's another cycle. It's humanity. You need to obey the cycles of life. Yeah, Nate, it's winter now. It's winter here in UK. You know, really, we should be asleep. You know, I should be asleep now, not talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, because it's dark. It's only because of this false light created that we can do this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it has its price. It has its price that we don't obey the natural cycles. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Chinese medicine is based on. All these philosophies. Can we obey? Rather than thinking, oh no, we must be the same all year round, we're not. Nature's yeah. not the same. We're oh, weather's not the same. Women feel in their bodies every month the moon cycles. Yeah, you can't. This is this is one with younger women I found who like to do a lot of exercise. Why do I? Why is my something going on with my period? You know, things are starting. To, oh, actually, now I didn't have one. Now I don't feel very well because they're not changing their exercise program according to where they are in their cycle. Mm-hmm. So if they're bleeding. And they're sweating at the same time; they're gonna feel awful. Yeah, that's a that's a principle of Chinese medicine. You know, if someone's bleeding, you don't create sweating. If someone's sweating, you don't create bleeding. Yeah. So if we're doing that ourselves, that is going to be very depleting. So ease off around that time, particularly yeah. perimenopausal when We've got a light period. Ease back right off. Yeah yin go yin yeah and then you know mid-cycle fair enough yeah we've got more more is available running up to the period then yeah increase okay you're going to want to move the chi might feel a bit more stagnant so it's again it's, it's innate this is all innate but we've we've stopped trusting ourselves yeah
0: see and I find like like as you're talking you know like just you know because like on on the flip side of being around like you know so many women I'm also around like you know so many men kind of like that same demographic probably because like you know I'm just getting a little bit older myself too you know being 36 now um you know kind of always edges you know like you know like the people that I'm around with kind of like up a little bit right so I'm always kind of like plus 10 meters plus 15 meters of my age as kind of what I've noticed the people that I typically end up like working with right um, what? But I actually, you know, like, and and I mean this in, in no like like disrespectful way, you know, like towards them in the process they go through. I just mean it is in like contrast. The one thing I've learned about guys and like something yes. that it seems like a lot of like what men are going through is that like they spend this kind of like you know, quote unquote, lifetime building this career to be able to support their families. You know, then it's all different. of a sudden, like they get to this point where they've achieved this quote unquote success. But then they realize that they've actually have like complete disassociation with their families. You know, because now the kids are older, their wife's pretty much checked out, you know, like she's doing her own thing, you know, like kids are in college, you know, and like, you know, like this life has been provided. But then now they're left at this like this transient location of this crossroads of being like, well, why did I do it? You know, like why did I do all this if that, like, you know, what it was is to be able to provide for these people you know, but now it provided for these people and I don't even know who they are, you know, or like, you know, like they don't want to have anything to do with me or, you know, like they, like there's just complete disassociation with inside the family unit, you know, like the nuclear family's gone, you know, like just like all of this kind of, you know, these components to it where like a lot of these, you know, like men the kind of like late thirties, you know, mid forties, you know, kind of like, you know, I see, you know, kind of like 42, 47 range where it's just like, like they're just left in like this, like this paradoxical situation of being like, well, like, where am I? You know, like, where am I? What am I doing? Where do I go from here? Like, like, w- what's the next step? You know, like, I, I don't know what to do because like, I've misidentified clearly why I was doing this, you know, yeah. but do I just keep plotting the same course because we're already on this course anyway, you know, or do I try yes. to reverse this course? But like these people aren't receptive to reversing this course only just because now I've identified that it's the wrong course. You know, like so we kind of see like you know, and like I said, I mean it in no disrespect to like any women in like you know menopause and like I just mean it and like it's interesting how kind of like at that that midlife zone or whatever like we kind of look at like we go through like men and women like these big shifts Definitely. of just like feeling lost of like well what oh, do I do. Yeah. And like, what are the answers to that? You know, like, like, what do we do? Like in these, the nice things I see with guys now is that I feel like women have always had this edge a little bit more. Like women get always kind of freely talk about it with each other. Although like society might've been like, shh, this is your secret. I don't want to hear about it. But like guys were just like, you know, it's like, okay, you don't talk about that. That's a guy man up, you know, put those feelings down. But like yeah. guys are starting to be able to talk about that a little bit more. But the beautiful thing I see is men and women starting to talk about it together. Just yeah. Those are the things that I like to go to see, because you actually see some real shifts, like dramatic shifts in a short period of time about how like, you know, two people who are two like demographics who were told don't talk about these at all to talking about them in like their communities then to talking about them together. Yeah. And it's like, That's nice. It's really nice to be able to see that.
1: That's transformative. And again, that comes back down to our previous conversation about identity, doesn't it? It's Mm -hmm. yeah, if if your lens of society say, Oh yes, you're 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 a male in this lifetime, in this culture, therefore we're going to give you that, you're gonna now have to work through that identity this is what we've given you. you're you a woman in this culture in this particular country there's your one right now you're going to have to vote work through that and things have shifted to the point now where like you said ah we're just human beings and yes okay this lifetime i'm in male form or i'm in female form and uh, I'm going to be exposed to certain things in my, in my physicality and my energy because of that and in the way that society views me and tells me what I, I need to be doing in order to be okay <laughs> and accepted and loved. It's that, isn't it? Belong, in order to belong and be okay. And yes, gradually it's dawning, oh, the line we've been fed isn't necessarily the truth. Ah, in fact, it actually might be quite unhelpful. Yeah. And okay, I'm in male form, but actually, I, uh, I don't identify with any of the things that society's given me that I'm supposed to identify with in my male form same with the female. So there's a lack of, and and that's now being shifted and moved around. There's always a shadow and light in that, but I find it quite interesting what's happening. It's it's quite big in in the UK. It's happening in the transgender movement because that's teaching society something there. If we're saying, actually don't identify with either. Mm -hmm. You've got individuals going, don't call me he or she call mm-hmm. me they and you go in a way this is absolutely brilliant because it's making us go okay i can no longer judge you with these <laughs> things because you're saying i don't identify as either so i identify as a human being wow you know i've actually never
0: Yeah, I've never heard of it explained like that before, but what a sobering perspective to be able to look at. Is that like, I don't identify as a man or a woman, but I choose to want to identify as a human being. Like, I think that is astronomically profound.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've got a friend who's... um, One of her children was born male, and... Even as a young child would come home and say to her, "They think I'm just a little boy." I mean, this is from a small child, of a small child, they think I'm just a little boy. I, what? So this little soul in here is going, huh? "I don't, I don't get how I'm being uh, reacted to, or I don't, I don't identify with it." And later on, transgendered. Yeah so now teenage 18 19 year old male to female and an extraordinary soul and every transgender individual that I have had the pleasure of um having conversations with I find it absolutely a brilliant for society to get its head round that you are not your gender yeah yeah and yeah. there are these individuals who in this moment in time it's so interesting how it's become very um visible or becoming more visible um and that the you know people are speaking out things are really happening in that movement in that world and going oh thank god you know i don't identify me as either and suddenly all that all those roles of i am the male i have to provide or i'm the female must look after the oh my god I'm still on that one yeah <laughs> bless us as human beings yes
0: well and what an interesting way that you know like that we have been forced to be able to come to like this apex of thought because like really this is an intellectual battle and I think people kind of forget that this has really nothing to do with biology or physiology like this has everything to do with like intellect you know, yeah. and I think like I when we that. we need to be able to be forwardly faced with something, a visual representation that says you need to stop. You need to actually see this. You need to actually witness this because this is going to force you to intellectually have to try to solve this quote unquote problem. You know, (laughs) not that like, obviously it's not a pride just mean as in like the problem is that where we are as a species in Western culture saying like, like this is the problem. Like we need like those dramatic tones of like, and we kind of, you know, see that like there's a lot of controversial things happening. Like, the reason, you know, why Doctor Jordan Peterson is so um, is so controversial here is because he didn't want to call somebody zerk, you know. And then you see things, examples like Donald Trump, like you see like a lot of like these like these four facings, like like you can see it in the world. We're coming to this apex where people are forced to now have to stop to think because we kind of just blindly have gone down the road of the status quo for so long and being like indoctrinated yes. into like once you hop on this super highway. From birth to death, this is fine. This is the way you need to go. This is what you need. This is what you want. Now now be born, now die, and then we're good. You know, but yeah. like now we're faced with just like, yes, like, you know, life is so transient. We need to be just absolutely halted in our tracks to be able to understand what it is. And if you see the the representations of like what we've talked about previous in this conversation, it's like that was like World War One and World War Two, where it's just all like, we need like you need forward facing. you need a halt you need the brakes we need to understand and you talk to all of those people it's like the one thing that they will all say that we just have no capacity to be able to understand is sacrifice you know in like that's (laughs) the one thing is like like you will never know no matter what you think you've ever done no matter what association you think like sacrifices you have no idea and i'm like i respect that i understand that because I understand in contrast that like I don't, but I also understand like we need now to have these forward facing conversations that, that force us intellect intellectually to be able to challenge the status quo and being like, okay, we do need to swing this pendulum back the other way. And all of these little subcultures that are popping up that just force it, Mm -hmm. like force you to be able to think about it. It's like, you know, transgender movement, you know, like, you know, like all these people like that feel like they identify with something else, you know, like, and, there's There's so many of these movements that are becoming like like online and present that like we can't deny it anymore. and because that there's this opportunity, you know, and you know even look at Greta, you know like it's like, well, if you don't want to think that like like the impact that on our planet, whether you think that's from people, cows, cars just the evolution of our planet, whatever, like our, our planet is changing. Like you can't deny that. Like, it's, it's something that's actually happening whether it's supposed to happen or it's happening as fast or when it's going to happen. Like you can't deny it's happening, but all these things are forcing us to be able to say like, stop, like, look, start paying attention to like the things that actually really mean something. And these are just like our intellectual like battles that like we're, we're fighting inside. And I know like, for me, the more that I'm like, okay, well, I need to accept this, you know, like I need to, until I accept this concept, there's no way I can understand it. There's no way that I can have empathy for it. There's no way that I can have sympathy for it. And if mm-hmm. I look at it, that, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the individual representation. But like when we look at it, it's like, why don't I want the planet to be happy? And like our planet yeah. and like everything that it comes in, because if our planet is out of flux in every single, like, you know, um, thing that lives on this planet you know every cell of this planet every energy life driving force if something is out of flux on that there's a constant trickle down effect of that and i don't think it, like is my personal belief is i don't think that there's ever been a time really where so many things are out of flux is like what they are right now
1: yes exactly because things
0: have never been as complicated as what they are right now with the opportunity for simplicity So that's like a huge existential battle right there. Well, life has never been so simple, but we've never made it so complicated and life is Mm -hmm. our planet has never been so out of flux is what it is now when it should not be either. You know, so Mm -hmm. like, and like we feel that that energy is flowing through us constantly every single day. And you know, like I just think like us in Western culture are more of a representation of how out of flux that is. And we are Feeling the impact of it, and there's no there's no denying that we now have the social statistics to show we are feeling that more than other cultures in the world. Simply the, the the most simple Harvard study by saying that people in third world countries have far less mental health issues and have their happiness scale is far greater than ours in Western culture, where you think it should be the opposite.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. the simple cultures that still have. That community. It's interesting. I spent a little bit of time in India a few times and talked to a doctor out there um, who's never left Kerala actually, and he was an Ayurvedic doctor. And uh, had a lot of Westerners coming, a lot of Americans, a lot of Germans, Brits, all over. And I said, oh, and he was interested in Chinese medicine. We had a few conversations. I said, what, what, what's the difference? I said in treating your, you know, own local people here and then the visitors coming from all over the world, you know, and, and the diseases that they seem to have. And, uh, and he said, well, he said, the thing that I've noticed most of all and amongst all the Westerners, the the thing that makes them ill loneliness,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he said, they're lonely isolation. He said, we don't have that here. Yeah. And that is why that was his feeling of why there was so much chronic disease. Yeah,
0: and we and we do know that. Like they say, like um, again, I, I think it was like another study study at Harvard where they took thousands of people over the course of a lifetime, every different background they could, like different success measures, you know, different you know methodologies of life, you know, different religious backgrounds, you know, different cultures, everything, like every possible um, control metric that they could produce and they followed and tracked them through life. And no matter what was achieved during a lifetime, the only thing that people identified with um, for happiness is mm-hmm. family or sense of community. There you go. It's like no matter like- anything that happened, it's just like, yeah. and like that's like, and I feel like in other cultures in the world, like, like that is such a priority and it's such a given. Like you were born into a system where like you would never think any other way except for including family and community. Like, but yeah. for us, like again, like you say, like it's loneliness, like, I'm this proud, independent warrior of life. Like, I got this on my own. It's like, kick me out at 18 and I'll forge my way. You know, like, like there's like all of these representations of like individualism. And it's like, but now we know it's okay. Well, we're ingraining this in our children from the very get from like a very basic roots. And it's like, how... Can we keep setting our children up, and how can we keep setting ourselves up and saying, "Okay, well, yeah. be this proud independent And it's like yes, you can be independent, but we you don't need to be like this completely independent individual where now you've socially isolated yourself from like yeah. everybody around you because you have this chip on your shoulder and something to prove because we're telling you that you need to do that
1: yeah more more than anything we need what we need one another and we need the groups i mean it's interesting as well. You say it's always the simple stuff. In these, we've been doing these groups, these sound ceremony groups because I work with sound healing as well, and um, we've been doing these groups with women and intention work, and each with a slightly different theme. And it's interesting. People generally, it's easier for people to want to turn towards the shadows, yeah. To oh, oh yes, this is what's difficult. This is what's yeah. And it was the summer. And so or it was the early autumn and I said, okay, this is about now harvesting. So I want us to deliberately uh, kind of lever our feelings towards what brings us joy. What brings us joy? What brings us joy? And amplify that then with sound and with chanting. And so... Uh, everyone went around people who had some time, they just write on the page and then eventually they speak and they deliver it into one of the Tibetan singing bowls and we burn them at the end. But every single person, they were all so simple. What brings me joy? My bees, the bees that I keep, what, what brings you joy? Scrunching my feet in the sand. They were nearly all nature things or things to do with connecting with people. In fact, they all were, they were all either nature moments, simple ones or small connections with uh, people, relationships in their lives. And that was it. There was no, what makes me happy is to achieve blah, blah in my life. There was none of that. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I think this is, but, and it's always interesting when you do the groups, you go, because I think people feel like they're the only one often. I, I've, I've always thought that over the years working as a practitioner, you know, this individual comes in and says something about themselves and, we observe it and they, you think, they think they're the only one that feels this awful right now or that's that judgmental about themselves or that down on themselves. And to, but you're the one observing uh, so many, including yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think you're, you're not alone. And in the groups, when things are spoken like that, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I know I'm not, but now I'm reminded that I'm really not. Because here we are together discussing it, expressing it, yeah? Or in the case of a Chinese medicine workshop, feeling into something and then the commonality, yeah? yeah? It's, these are all human feelings. There's a great commonality between all of us, yeah? But it's only in those, the simple rituals that we've lost, yeah, coming together that, that we realize those things again, yeah? And, and oh, the healing that just happens from being in those spaces, yeah? And those intentions that are set up, you go, look, it's, we, we all have shame and guilt. It's a given. We come in with it. And we're all about trying to bring that out. First of all, by just bring it to the light of consciousness. And then, okay, I'm not just about shame and guilt. Where's the light? There's always the opposite side, yin and yang, mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah. so it's very it's a very exciting moment to be alive i think as you say it's the great chaos on the one hand but also great light of consciousness and potential on the other as more and more realizations that if we can begin to hone our thoughts and our intentions and our feeling space then we're capable of you know, so many beautiful things. Yeah. Otherwise we're just doing it unconsciously. So think we're habitu- we habituate. I think that's what's difficult for people. They're given these lenses, you know, young, young lads now, maybe still be given, this is what you're supposed to do. Go on that trajectory, make the money, get the car, the house, the whatever, everything is going to be marvelous. Yeah. They're still given that. And girls are still thinking, you must look like this. There's still plastic surgery out there, isn't there? You know, it's like it's still saying something to us that, isn't it? Why do we feel the need? Yeah. I wonder soon if we won't know the difference between AI and (laughs) what we create of ourselves in in form, because that will come. But I just would so like to dissolved some of those things for the youngsters, you know, and maybe this is how we're doing it. We're starting to do the, have these conversations, whether they're on a podcast, whether they're in person in groups in our different countries, and maybe that's the thing that we, we can stop giving these habituated. Cause once we're on it, it's difficult to change habits, right? And you think, well, I'm just on it. I'm on the trajectory. How do I get off it? I've started this journey and I'm not sure it's bringing me any satisfaction and I'm not sure it's bringing those around me the satisfaction that I was told it would if I did this. Yeah. It's not. So maybe if I just have the conversation with everyone and go, should we do something else? Yeah. (laughs) We could just sell up here and go and live on a farm or whatever it is that those individuals really want to do. I mean, there are more, I don't know if it's the same, I'm sure it is in Victorian. I've had conversations with, with people that, that say that it is, but there are more conscious communities being formed now.
0: Yeah.
1: Are people really coming together with their different skills and resources of all sorts of natures?
0: Well, and that's like where I see it. And like, that's actually like one of like the um, unintentional positive spin offs of like what, uh, like we eyes has like, you know, like I've had, you know, people on that represent like, um, like craft brewing because craft beers are becoming huge in BC. And I'm like, this is a micro community of people who have Mm -hmm. been like, I'm going to get back into what today's artisan works are going to look like, like, you know, then you have like the people are getting back into like building furniture and, you know, people are getting back into, you know, creating like their own clothes and like, you know, like the innovation of, you know, like, like farming where people are getting into like what hydroponic farming looks like now and vertical farming. And, um, you know, like you have all these different little communities of like people are just like I'm going to break the mold. Like it kinda carries a rough structure of what today's society kinda looks like. You know, like I have like this job and I have like this goal and I have this vision and I have like these things that's gonna get me from like, you know, here to retirement or death, you know, like whatever we wanna go and you know, but like I'm gonna allow myself the opportunity that I might not be sitting in front of a computer screen all day long, you know, like I might not have to like, you know, go to this office building, you know, like I might be going to like this orchard, you know, like what, you know, Rachel and her husband that moved from London, you know, like they're both highly successful engineers in London, then they end up moving, you know, now they live in Langley, you know, BC, that's you know, just a few minutes away from me and they have like an apple orchard where they make their own apple cider, you know, and like, like how do you go from being two successful engineers in London to living in Langley and, you know, producing (laughs) apple cider. Yeah. Like I love to be able to see those things because like, that's the message that I want this Mm. podcast to be able to operate in is like, and that's why like, you know, like, like the we becomes singular and the I becomes plural because it's just like, like these are like the thing, like, this is how it connects us. And this is what's going to make us happy because you'll form those little individual pockets of communities. And these communities go outside in this bigger community, yes. happier individuals, more well-connected, more well-adjusted individuals. And then when people see it, they're just like, well, what is that? Well, how, what's that representation in me? Like, how do I get that within inside myself? Then they find this like little community like, yeah. You know, whether that's as simple as, like, a book club or, like, a knitting club or, like, you know, and that's the one thing, like, with this, um, with Rachel and her husband, they have a community cidering program. Like, they encourage people, okay, well, you go forage for the apples as individuals. You come here. We'll bottle it. We'll press it. We'll ferment it. And we'll split everything 50-50. Brilliant. And, like, it creates this community. It creates these people. And then they're going out in the community. And they're, they're talking about having fun. And they're picking apples. They're doing all these things, having, like, this great time. You know, and, like, that's, like, what we're, like, all doing. That's, like, what I see, like, what you guys are doing, too. You know, like, creating this online presence, like, where, you know, if, like, how do you connect individuals, you know, that are in this global community? And, like, that's the one thing that I love about this podcast between you and I right now is, like, normally I would have never got a chance to be able to talk to you or it wouldn't be in, like, this kind of landscape. You know, but what it goes is to show the global accessibility to the people that are connected inside the community that you want to be a part of. So that's where we can use technology to be able to create happiness.
1: That's right. This is the light, isn't it? This is the light side. And thank, you know, thank goodness and it doesn't mean that everything that's positive and bright and can raise the consciousness, can move much more quickly as well, thank goodness, so that we can get – I mean, you're in a much bigger country than I am, and I know that, uh, you know, talking to Gillian and Todd, you know, there's people out there in Nova Scotia, they can't come to live things, you know, (laughs) it's too far, you know. People people don't go there (laughs) to give them many of those opportunities, but that's where all of this, you know, whether it's podcasts, whether it's online courses that like we're doing, they can actually get in there and and engage with it and do the work that they want to do and further it without feeling they've able to travel halfway across the world you know in order to do it, which is yeah. fantastic yeah absolutely reading it, It's marvelous <laughs>
0: absolutely well, maybe that's uh, like a good segue where we can uh we can wrap some brain to it in, but I want you to be able to explain like outside of Pa room project, like, how do people get a hold of you like like what do like you know what are your social media handles website like you know like like email address, like anything like like plugged in there, if people have any like questions or just want to kind of research you or follow you like like what what's your platforms, what do you operate on
1: okay so i we've got a website called spark the Shen spark the Shen being the soul, spark the Shen meaning you know the the flame within. The heart, that's why we called it that. So if people want to go onto the website, just sparkleshen.com, they can go on there, they can see what we're doing. Any of the courses that we're doing, we'll put up on there. And they can email me as well. Yeah, sarah at sparkleshen.com. That's the easiest way to get hold of me. I probably will do some social media, but you can see my reluctance here, Blake, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, you must get a, a Facebook page for your, uh, your teaching. okay. 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 <laughs> the resistant, you know, but there is a website there and they can email me and that's definitely the best way for now.
0: Yeah well and it's one of those things like that's kind of like you know like don't force if it doesn't feel right though right like you know know, know, it's best for you and just because it's society's standard to be able to be on social media doesn't mean that you need to buy into that system right
1: exactly and we don't want to be spending more of our time just just sort of dealing with detritus you know of communications you know i realized the other day i'd sat there and i'd looked at you know the things that come through that are just trash you think this is 10 minutes of my life just going delete 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 to things that i'm not in the slightest bit interested in
0: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Which is like a social media feed through and through every single day.
1: So I've got to be very careful. So maybe I've answered my own question. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. stay off, stay off. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking your time out, Sarah. It's been an absolute honor and privilege you being on. And um, I hope that in the future, you'll grace us with some more conversation because I had just a wonderful time
1: me too blake and thank you very much for inviting me as well it's been lovely it's been we've been really you know putting the world to rights as they say yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe one day we can do it in person
0: yeah absolutely yeah maybe next march when you're over here i would love to be absolutely. able to do something there
1: we go sure. we could do something then yeah absolutely yeah, yeah okay. good luck with it you. you're, you're doing good work i really admire it thank you for having me
0: thank you sarah have a great night get some sleep yeah and you all right
1: bye <laughs> okay. For now,
0: blake. okay bye have a good day